Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Weekend Ag Matters for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network for this first weekend in February in 2023. Hard to believe we've already got one month in the books as we get ever closer to that spring planting season. I'm Dustin Huffman with you here this weekend. Riley Smith and Mark Magnus will be coming up a little later on in the show. But first, let's go ahead and run down some of those news headlines for you that we followed this week. Well, we've been discussing for over a year now the impending GMO ban on corn imports from Mexico. Of course, that could mean a big impact for our number one corn purchasing trade partner. Of course, we've got options left on the table. Well, earlier in the week, the Senate Ag Committee had their first Farm Bill hearing of the year to talk about food and horticulture titles in the bill. But of course, the subject of corn was definitely brought up. Newly appointed USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Ag Affairs Alexis Taylor was one of those in attendance. And the Iowa native was questioned by Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley as to what was going on. Iowa Senator Grassley asked her if there were any plans for the Biden administration to open up dispute settlements under the USMCA agreement, similar to what they've done earlier this week with dairy, which we'll get to in a little bit. Taylor said that this is still an ongoing situation. Um, I do think we are engaging with urgency on this issue. We certainly appreciate the potential impact um, that the proposed decree could have on our corn growers here in the United States, but much broader than that. Um, fundamentally, our trading system uh, globally, but also within the USMCA, is built upon science-based policies. And the challenge to that is greatly concerning. I have heard from specialty crop producers, livestock producers, all with the concern um, of Mexico with this degree, decree moving away from that fundamental principle. Taylor said that after only a few weeks on the job, she had already traveled to Mexico to try to find a solution to this ongoing situation. On my third week on the job and uh, Ambassador McCaleb's second week on the job, we traveled jointly to Mexico to again engage with our counterparts there, um, highlight our concerns, highlight that this is a fundamental principle from the United States on what a global trading system is built upon and not something that we can walk away from or negotiate away from. Um, we continue to have those, those conversations with our Mexican counterparts. Um, and we're reserving the right um, of all the um, that are all the rights awarded to us under uh, USMCA, and we will continue to ensure that our trade access that has been granted to us within USMCA is lived up to by all by all of our trading partners. Grassley asked for a timetable on when we could see action one way or another, and Taylor responded saying that they're still actively engaged, and it hasn't come to the point where we need to go into the USMCA agreement once again. We're still, I think, productively engaging with Mexico. Um, we have been very clear that uh, the USMCA uh, gives us a process to go down if we cannot find resolution on um, this issue and that we reserve all of those rights. Um, but at least today, we are still productively engaging and hope to find a resolution that doesn't um, disrupt trade, impact our producers, and ultimately impact negatively Mexican livestock producers who are dependent on this product as well. 
After the hearing, we talked with Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, who had brought up during the hearing that this ban could cost the United States over $74 billion over the course of 10 years. She said that she hopes that the USDA Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack are exhausting every option they have on the table so we can get this crisis averted before it even takes a hold. Speaking of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai this week established the second dispute panel regarding access to Canada's dairy market. Dave Sammons of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Senior Government Affairs Director, said the case stems from Canada's application of tariff rate quotas for dairy products. USTR is saying that these actions by Canada have not followed the initial decision in a case that was won by the U.S. in December of 2021 to try to enforce the measures in the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement that granted increased access into the Canadian market for U.S. dairy producers. So this is a follow-up to that initial decision. And Sammonson explained that the TRQs allow a country to export products without facing full tariffs. These are measures put in trade agreements where a country says we'll allow a certain amount of product in, but we won't apply our full tariff. And this was negotiated in the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, and the U.S. is saying that our dairy producers have not gotten that access. Canada has not followed the agreements that they made in the U.S.-MCA. The process could likely take six to eight months. Sammonson said a positive outcome for the U.S. would boost dairy exports to Canada. If U.S. wins the case again and Canada actually implements the regulations the way the agreement says they should, would add about over $250 million or more worth of U.S. dairy products going into Canada. Currently, we export about $550 to $600 million of dairy products to Canada. So this would be a significant increase and would set the stage for further growth. As lawmakers in Washington also focus on debt ceiling and federal spending, there is concerns about the direction and funding for this year's new farm bill, as the current bill will expire in the end of September. National Corn Growers Association is joining a bunch of farm groups that are pushing lawmakers to keep them from taking money away from the safety net crop insurance programs. They cannot tinker with that. That is our, our most important thing that our farmers use to make sure that they can be made whole because we're, we're dealing with weather and we, we have no control over that. Um, it's out of anybody's hands and uh, so we got to make sure that that crop insurance stays intact at at least uh, its level. There's going to be people that try and take money away from that, uh, but I feel pretty confident that we've got enough of a coalition and, and it's important for food security reasons to make sure that that is made whole. You can find this story and more up on our website at iowaagnet.com where you can learn more about what the NCGA is asking for in this farm bill. For right now, that's going to wrap up these news headlines for this week. I'm going to kick things over now to Russ Parker as he brings us his faith-based food for thought here on Weekend Ag Matters. This past week has been another one to make sure that we have the fire fed. We've had to open the air intake, which has resulted in the firewood getting consumed a lot faster. Fire's an interesting thing. Some cold mornings, I like to sit in the rocking chair in front of the wood stove, enjoy the warmth, and I become mesmerized by the flame. As it dances and creates ever-changing shapes, its danger is concealed by its beauty. I remember as a young child some memorable experiences with fire. I was always excited to hear the fire whistle and watch the fire trucks exit the station. There was almost a rush hearing their loud sirens and listening to the trucks accelerate as they went down the street. 
And then one day I was knocked back into reality when I learned that one of my friend's family had lost their house to a fire. And my brother had a, I'll just call it a curiosity about fire. His escapades led to the fire company being called on two different occasions, but that's another story for a different day. And fire has always been an important tool right from the beginning of time, it seems. Its usefulness to promote heat, offer protection from predators, melt and combine metals, to create everything from weapons to coins to jewelry. And in our modern society, it continues to be incredibly necessary for a multitude of uses. And here at the farm, we are blessed with a lifetime supply of firewood, and I find great pleasure in getting ready for the fire. It's a process of finding a tree, figuring out if I can get it to a safe cutting zone, chunking it out is what I call it with the chainsaw, splitting the chunks, loading it into the wood wagon, and then parking that wood wagon in the shed, hopefully all done before the end of September. Then in the winter, burn, baby, burn. Fire has also a metaphoric component, and it is used often to describe or present a picture. Examples including Johnny Cash singing his famous Riders in the Sky, and the horses snorting fire as they chase the devil's herd. Or the phrase, where there's smoke, there's fire. Or, baptism by fire. I've even seen pictures of hell that contain huge columns of fire. Scary stuff. But another meaning to consider, as the two men on the Emmaus Road said, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us? This is the kind of heat that's available to all of us. Heat from within. Lord, thank you for hearts that burn for you. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. And that's going to do it for segment one here on Weekend Ag Matters. We're going to take a short break and come back. And in segment two, Mark Magnuson's going to go between the pods with the Iowa Soybean Association. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Mark your calendars for an event you won't want to miss. Registration is now open for the Iowa Soybean Association's Innovation to Profit Conference on February 16, 2023 at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny, Iowa. Find research-backed solutions and opportunities to help you create a successful game plan to bring profitability to your operation. Register today by visiting www.iasoybeans.com. This message brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soy Checkoff. Mark Magnuson with the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm here with Rob Ewalt today. We are here at the winter meetings for the Iowa Soybean Association. Rob, could you tell us, first of all, what your role is within the ISA? Yes, currently I'm a representative from District 6 on the on the state board, so I'm, I'm taking uh, all the information and questions that my farmers have from our area and bringing it back up to the state and then trying to get that information back to them. And is that your main job then as a board, a member of the board, Rob, just to be kind of that voice for people in your area? I think that's the main reason that we're here. Uh, we obviously we're going to spend checkoff dollars and we want to make sure that we invest those in a in a proper manner and things that farmers are interested in investing in. You know, what kind of research uh, we talk about developing markets. 
new markets, new uses. And, and so that's basically what we're doing with those checkoff dollars. And Rob, here today, we're just at the winter meetings for ISA, kind of the internal meetings for the group. But coming up in a little bit, it's going to be the Innovation for Profit Conference coming up, and that's in Ankeny. Could you tell us a little bit what that's about? Yeah, so this is a great way for ISA to showcase some of the research that's being done with those checkoff dollars. And it's and it's really putting everything together to help the farmers come up with a little bit better plan, maybe to, to increase those soybean yields just a little bit by some practices that that have been proven over years of, of testing and studies. And, and so that's basically what we're looking at is trying to put it all together and get it into the farmer's hands. And is this a great time of year to do it when everybody's hunkered down and it's cold? You can talk about things that you're excited about for getting ready for next year? Oh, I, th- I think it's a great opportunity to to uh, for fellowship for one I mean we've all been some of those people up north have had some tough winter and it's good to get out of the house get down talk with your peers bounce ideas off of each other listen to some new information um, it, it's it's going to be a great a great time great experience for those farmers that attend so Rob when we talk about the ISA and RCFI that's the Research Center for Farming Innovation what does that mean to farmers that I mean are you working in tandem all the time and trying to come up with these solutions for problems or just trying to find new things that are going to help you on your operation? We're really trying to find out what's going to help the farmer in in their each individual operation. Uh, we have a lot of this research being done throughout the state at different farms. Uh, they're compiling all that data together to see what works and what doesn't work. You know, and I think they're going to tell you if something doesn't work and it doesn't, you don't see a, a return on investment, then don't mess around with it. But when there's when there's good stuff, good data out there to show and and to show where there's profits to be made that aren't being realized right now. I think it's a it's a great opportunity um, for us and to make a little bit more money for that farmer. And is that powerful too, that it's not just one person that you're listening to, it's all of these people from all across the state that are giving their experiences? I think it is. I think it's, it's, it's important that this data comes from all over the state. I think it's important that farmers are actually the ones on the ground doing these projects and, and testing it just like they would on their farm any other time uh, but we have the the analytics department behind it to to analyze all this and to really show where where these uh, profits are to be had so Rob let's say you're a soybean farmer that um, maybe you just started or you're not um, huge into the soybean side of farming and this is kind of the first time you're hearing about this how would you get involved how would you say hey I've got some questions or maybe I've got some experiences I want to share I think all you need to do is go get on the web like everybody else does. Go to the Iowa Soybean Association website and reach out to, to those people that are there. And they can get you plugged in to research trials. They can get you signed up to come to this, this conference that's going to be held on the 16th of February. And I think, I think uh, it's a great time to get involved and, and step up and, and try to improve your farming operation. And Rob, every time I see soybean farmers come together here in Iowa and work together with the ISA, it just seems like everybody knows what they're doing. Everything seems to be on the ball. Do you get that sense, you know, from other states? Is everyone else as well coordinated as here in the state of Iowa? I'm a little partial on that, uh, but I will say that our staff that we have at at uh, Iowa Soybean Association is second to none. Uh, we have some of the top researchers in the field that are working for us, and uh it's just it's just a great organization and they are putting the farmer first and rob putting that research into practice i know personally i'm just 
shocked and surprised at the innovations that happen every single year and how it just seems like farming continues to improve every year. Do you get that same sense ever that, man, it's almost like things just every year find a way to improve? Yes, and I and and we need to, as farmers in in Iowa, we need to improve every year. Uh, we always question the profitability, so we need to we need to be looking at the latest um, practices or technology that is going to improve our farms. And and every year we're striving to do better. We're striving for that for that bigger yield. We're striving to do better than what we did last year or the year before or whatever our record yield was. We want to do better than that every year. And this is a great way to try to put you over the top. And Rob, is there anything else you would like to let our audience know about when it comes to working together on research or the upcoming Innovation of Profit concert or conference? Anything for uh, viewers that might be excited in what we're talking about today? There's a little bit for everybody. If, if you want to look at what what's some conservation practices that are being done. If you want to look at what kind of research and, and what kind of improvements we're seeing in the in the soybean itself and varieties. If you want to look at crop protection practices that are, um, there's, there is something for every farmer that's growing soybeans out there. They can come, they can learn. Um, great opportunity, like I said, for fellowship with your peers and just, a, just should be a really great day. He is Rob Ewald, our guest today here on Between the Pods. Rob, thank you so much for the time. Have great rest of this conference and looking forward to that Innovation of Profit conference as well. Thank you very much. Thank you to Rob Ewald with the Iowa Soybean Association, our guest on segment two of Weekend Ag Matters this week. Up next, Riley will visit with Iowa State climatologist Dr. Justin Glisson for segment three to wrap up this week's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we aim our programming to be Iowa-centric. Our slogan is, Iowa Ag Matters. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes in length. Plus, we offer a long-format weekend program called Weekend Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. Well, we're here today with Iowa State climatologist Dr. Justin Glisson for a check of the U.S. drought monitor and just a little bit more on the climatological patterns we're seeing in Iowa right now. Uh, first off, Justin, what is that drought monitor showing for us right now? Hi, Riley. Always nice to be with you. So, uh, again, as of last week, status quo. We haven't seen any changes across the state. Now, we, of course, we've had uh, some snowpack on the ground. We've had some weather uh, dis disturbances come through the state with some precipitation. But given that the soil profiles are frozen, not a lot of infiltration. Of course, in the shallower parts of the, the soil profile where we've had above average temperatures, squishy layer there, we've had some infiltration. But overall, status quo, which is better than degradation. And we should expect moving forward with warming temperatures that we could see some improvement as we move through February. Now, is there a little bit of a concern? I know that those temperatures, uh, when you're with it getting warmer, that we could lose a little bit of that snowpack. Will it get warm enough to where if that snowpack melts, it will infiltrate the soil? Or are we worried about maybe losing some of that moisture from it? 
We'll lose some of it given just the warming that we get on the surface versus through the soil profile. We don't get a lot of snow water equivalent out of snowpack anyway, but we do need that moisture any way that we can get it. So snowpack melt will be beneficial. We're going to see temperatures in the 40s over the next week, which should allow the top layer of soil to thaw out and we should get some at least shallow infiltration. We're not gonna see a rapid warming event. We're not gonna lose the snowpack. Also, we have to consider that the snowpack is compacted and there's a crust on top of it. Uh, so it won't melt as fast if we do stay in the uh, 30s and 40s. Well, and you know, outside of those temperatures as well, now that we have those February forecasts, what are we expecting uh, to see for the next month? Well, if you believe Puxatani Phil, we have six more weeks of winter, but uh, if you look at the February outlooks, and the short-term outlooks, we'll start with the short-term. We're seeing a high probability of warmer than average temperatures through the middle of February, and then a slightly elevated wet signal for much of the state. So that's a good signal to see as we do start the warm-up into uh, late winter and early spring. If we look at February in general, we are seeing a signal for slightly elevated wetter conditions uh, in the eastern half of the state, but no clear signal on temperature. So if we go back and rely on those short-term outlooks, at least for the first half of the month, uh, above average temperatures. Now, I know earlier on, you know, kind of before winter when we were getting into that, we were, we're expecting a, you know, a pretty decently cold winter. And while we had that in December, and we've had kind of patches of that here in January or over January, uh, it, it didn't seem like we got as much as probably we were thinking. Uh, for the rest of this winter, I mean, are we really looking at potentially just kind of staying a, a little above average? Yeah, great question. So you look at January, we were actually about five degrees above average. And without that storm we had before Christmas, when we had that Arctic outbreak with several days of very frigid temperatures, which really dragged down the average for December, we've actually had a, a pretty mild or near normal winter time. So again, we have February to go through. Recently, February, we've seen a, a good amount of snowpack. It's the snowiest month for the state recently in the recent trends. So we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But if we're looking at at least the short-term averages as our short-term outlooks, as we discussed earlier, we are looking uh, warmer and wetter, which could mean a more active storm track. But we're not seeing anything in the signal that suggests a, a very uh, you know, rough Arctic outbreak or huge snowstorms across the state. So we'll just have to see how we go through the rest of February and into March. Now, you mentioned earlier of, of that little bit of a crust that's formed over the snowpack that we have. Does that come primarily from just getting those cold temperatures or is that a little bit from kind of a slight thawing refreezing pattern? Actually both. Yeah, great question. So when you, even when we're below freezing, that sunlight that's out when we, we don't have cloudy days, you'll get some surface melting given the particulate that that snow, the top part of the snow collects dust, dirt from pavement, all that. So you'll get some melting, but also when we do get above freezing, indeed that melt thaw uh, refreeze cycle will give you a crust on that, which helps uh, make the snowpack more robust and it won't melt as fast. Now, when you get in those 40, 50 degree days, you'll start to extinguish that crust and then you'll start uh, more rapidly uh, melting that snowpack. Well, and of course, you know, as we've mentioned so many times with the weather patterns that we've seen recently, it's a lot of we'll take what we can get. And 
And honestly, looking on the bright side of things as we enter calving season for a lot of producers soon as well, seeing these warmer temperatures, you know, won't necessarily be a bad thing. It'll make uh, that process at the very least uh, a lot easier. Absolutely. We might have some mud out in the feedlots and, and such, but definitely these warmer temperatures, especially for calving, would be excellent. We just have gone through a, a one to two day cold air outburst from the Arctic. We're not expecting that as we move forward. So definitely as we move through February, February and March, we're out of the uh, coldest and driest part of the year, which is January. So we're, we're going to see temperatures start to gradually ramp up as we get into March and uh, more sunlight during the day as well. So uh, both good things. All right, Justin, is there any other uh, climatological patterns going on in Iowa that our listeners and our viewers should know about today? Well, we've been discussing, we're in the third year of this La Nina phase, which impacts where the storm track sets up over the United States. It's been a, it's been a part of the drought that we've seen over the last three years. We're starting to see in the climate modeling, and we've, we've discussed this over the past few weeks, a, a suggestion that we're transitioning from La Nina to what's called ENSO neutral. And when we do see that, it's a large scale shift in the atmosphere, which could mean uh, a wetter spring as we move forward. Also, potentially, if we look at analog years, cooler temperatures as well. But we are seeing overall a suggestion of a shift in the large-scale weather pattern, which uh, could be good for the drought conditions that we see across the state and the upper Midwest. All right, Justin, lots of great information today. For those of our listeners and our viewers who would like to get in touch and just talk a little bit about Iowa's climate, how can they do that? Yes, so my direct line to my office is 515-281-8981. Uh, send me an email, justin.glisson at iowaagriculture.gov, or go on Google, uh, search for Iowa Climatology Bureau. All my contact information is there, but we also have all those climate outlooks, a drought map, uh, long-term forecasts, uh, long, uh, long-term long reports that I do for weather and climate across the state. Uh, if you don't find what you need, just uh, shoot me an email and I'll get it to you. Well, Justin, great conversation as always, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thanks, Riley. Always nice to be with you. That again was Iowa State climatologist Dr. Justin Glisson. And that's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Mark Magnuson, and Dustin Huffman, I'm Riley Smith, wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.